You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. This morning we, uh, we're starting a new series titled A View From Above. How many of you have ever traveled to the mountains at some point in your life? Uh, so some of you have traveled or even into the Lake District or Wales somewhere where there's high hills. There's something about standing on top of a high position and seeing it from that perspective. How many of you have had that kind of moment where you've stood on something that's very high up, a mountaintop especially, or a really high hill, and you just look over the, the vastness of, of space, of, of, the, of the land, even the downs, to be honest. You go to Devil's Dyke, and you look over the downs, and you look over kind of this whole area and think, wow, it's amazing. It's a different perspective. Now, interestingly enough, you and I are living in this world, aren't we? We're living kind of from day to day. We have finite vision. And for, for many of us, it's a challenge to see things from a different perspective to the one we've already got. Because we, we see life from the, the vision that we've got, from the perspective that we see it. And yet God sees things from a v- different vantage point, doesn't he? He sees things always from the vantage point of eternity. He sees your life from a position of how that affects eternity. Wow. His vantage point knows the end from the beginning. His vantage point actually knows of your life exactly what it needs to be. Where the decisions you make today, will how they'll affect you tomorrow. He'll, he'll know exactly the, the, the plans that you make and the things that you action in. The way that you, you move through life, he, he knows exactly how that will all play out through the course of time. He has the vantage point of the mountaintop, so to speak. A heavenly perspective of you and I. He sees it from a way that you and I can't. We have a passage of scripture well known to many of us in Jeremiah 29, 11. And it says this is, for I know the plans I have for you. I want you to say no. When God says he knows something, he really knows it. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That was a word given to Israel while they were in captivity, when they were coming out. In, uh, and because of Jesus, we are grafted into the, that promise. The promise that was for Israel, actually it's for us as well. God has plans. He knows the plans he has for you and for me. He's got it all mapped out. He, he knows exactly what your life is to look like. If you and I, every day, were to follow his blueprint for our lives, just imagine what, they would, what it would look like. But I guarantee, whatever that imagination looks like, it's different than what you think. God's plans are not like our plans. When he says, I have a plan to prosper you, it's not necessarily the prosper that we think prosper. When he says, I've got plans to give you a hope and a future, his hope and his future can be very different than our hope and our future that we think we want or we need. You see, God has something beyond what we could dare to dream or imagine. We live in a world that kind of paints life a certain way from a certain perspective. And when we are born into this world, we're given a a value system of what's important, aren't we? 
how we need to live life, what we need to work for, what we need to kind of the steps we need to take to be successful in the world's eyes of success. We're kind of it's all laid out for us. And so as a kid growing up, you just have a built in understanding of what you think your life should look like going forward. Now, when we come to Christ, we're being we or we're brought into a different kingdom. We're brought into something that actually, God says, actually I have a plan for you that's different from the world's plan. It's, it's not the same system. It's not the same, the, the same thought process. And because of this, there needs to be a mind shift and you need to have my perspective. Otherwise you'll live life conformed to the patterns of the, this world instead of being renewed and being transformed in our thinking as unto his thinking. He has a thought process for your life, and it's amazing. Can I tell you that? When he looks at you, he says, I know the plans I have for you. Dave. The plans I have for you, Dave. Sorry, I'm not just calling you out of the audience, Dave. I know the plans I have for you, Tony. I know the plans I have for you, Chris and Annalise. I know the plans I have for each of you, and they're good plans. They're amazing plans, but there needs to be a mindset shift. Before the summer, we, we spent a season going through Colossians, and there was a passage of Scripture in Colossians that we read, but I'm going to just read it again, because it, it kind of ties into what we're talking about today. In Colossians 3, verses 1 to 4, it says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above and not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is in your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Set your minds on things above. Have a heavenly perspective. That is what we're instructed to do. Now, living with a view from above or a heavenly perspective starts from this, from this point. It starts with a revelation of who Jesus is. We can't even, if you're here today and you have never had a revelation of who Jesus is, I'm sorry, the rest of this will not make sense. It starts with a revelation of who Jesus is. Even Isaiah, this is before, maybe you could say the pre-incarnated Christ. Isaiah 6, we see his calling into, into ministry. This whole passage of scripture, we see him uh, really hearing God's plan and purpose. Not only for the nation, but also for his life. But it starts with this. It says, on the day, if you can pull up the, the, that passage, Isaiah. Or not. Isaiah, okay. Let me, let me pull it up. I was dependent on that. Okay. Isaiah chapter 6. It says this. It says, in the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And then he goes on to speak about the, uh, the, the angels or the seraphs and, and all that was happening. And, and, and then there's this proclamation of, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with the glory of the Lord. There was this revelation of God. There was this revelation of who he was, of, of his majesty. And that put Isaiah's life into perspective. Because from the point of revelation came the call for his life. He said, we see in this passage, we, uh, he hears God say, who will go for us? 
And Isaiah is at that point saying, I will go. I, I don't think that question was rhetorical. I think it was a question for Isaiah saying, who will you go? But you see, not just Isaiah had this encounter, but Paul had this encounter. He thought he was doing things for God in persecuting the church. Then he had this encounter of Jesus. And from that point of encounter of knowing who Jesus was, suddenly he was on mission for a plan for his life. The encounter with Jesus led to a purposeful life that Paul had for the rest of his days. But it started with an encounter, a revelation of Jesus. The disciples had similar experiences with the Lord. We'll never be able to give up all of this until we have a true encounter with the Lord. Can I tell you what? Giving up all of this to follow Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, I'm sorry. It all does not make sense. That's why the world looks at us and thinks we're crazy. How could you do that? Why would you give up everything to follow the Lord? Why? Because when you have the revelation, it's worth it. Jesus is greater. He's amazing. He's awesome. When we see him and encounter him, we realize that only he can bring the purpose to our lives. Only he knows the plans he has for us, says the Lord. Only he has the words of life. You see, even when the disciples or when Jesus had the crowds of people and, you know, he had a mega ministry. But then he began to teach something that was a little bit unpalatable for many people. And people started to drift away and the big crowds started to wean. And so he even looked at his disciples and said, what about you guys? Will you also leave me? And Paul, sorry, Peter, not Paul. Peter says this, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Why did Peter say that? Because he had a revelation. They had a revelation of who Jesus was. Guys, uh, the purpose for our life starts with a revelation of who Jesus is. You want to know what life's all about, where you should be going, what you should be doing. It starts with Jesus. It starts from that, that vantage point. You see, when we're with him, we become seated with him. When we have our faith put in him, we're actually, as we read in Colossians, we're seated with him. We have the mind of Christ in us. And suddenly those plans he has for us are now built in us through the work of the Holy Spirit. You and I have that in us. His spirit now dwells in me. And actually the I know the plans are now here through the spirit. You and I have this ability to know the plans that God has for our lives. Can I ask you today, do you know him? Do you know Jesus? If you don't know Jesus, this is the starting point. It comes with us saying, God, Jesus, I, I, I turn to you. I put my faith in you. It's a, it's a step. Alpha, again, is a great opportunity for us to, 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 to go in this road. And if you've never made that step of faith, that's a great starting point. Have you met him? If you want a vision or direction for your life, it starts here. Now, we can be introduced to Jesus, and, and for many of us in this room, we've had that introduction. We, we know Jesus, but we can stop at the starting line. I think Chris or Tom shared on this a couple weeks back. We can stop at the starting block because actually knowing Jesus comes with a price tag of us following him. To have a revelation and not follow is foolishness. If we follow Jesus, it, give, it requires us to give up everything to follow him. 
You see, to live for him means that we, we take on the plan that he has for our lives. You see, the I know the plans I have for you involves us following Jesus. When he says, I know the plans I have for you, you and I, the plan he has for us is for us to follow Jesus. Right? That's the plan he has. It isn't a different plan. It isn't something different. It isn't following another religion. It isn't following another God. It isn't just doing your own things and hoping that God is with you. Our plan that God has for each one of us that we could say with certainty is to follow Jesus. But what does that look like? His plan that he has for our lives is opposite to the world in many ways. And over the coming weeks, we're going to look at these various, from this vantage point of what God sees as his plan for us. But it's different. Greatness. He calls us to greatness. But greatness is not the greatness of the world. You see, greatness is in servanthood. If you want to be great in my kingdom, learn to be the servant of all. There's an old song that went by that. I used to sing as a kid. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be the servant of all. Greatness through servanthood. God wants to exalt your life, but where does it come from? It comes from a place of humility. God wants to strengthen our lives. He wants us to move in strength and power. But where does it come from? It comes from us being weak. God wants to, to move in wisdom in our lives, but it comes through, the, through man's foolishness. Well, what is foolish to man is where God moves. He wants us to be fruitful, but it's not from our own efforts, but it's through the work of his spirit through us. He wants us to be moved and impassioned in everything we do with his love, which isn't from us, but is from him. He wants us to increase. He wants us to grow and expand, but it comes only through release. You see, God's plan for us is greatness, it's exaltation, it's strength, it's wisdom, it's fruitfulness, it's motivation, it's increase. All those things are, yeah, I want to be part of this church. It's really exciting. But if we define each of those, it means God is wanting you to be a servant. He's wanting to be humble. He's wanting you to be weak. He's wanting to be foolish. He's wanting you to be dependent on his spirit. He's wanting you to move in things of his love. He's wanting you to release everything you've got. That doesn't sound as exciting. But that's the vantage point. God says, when he says, I know the plans I have for you. That's what his plans are. It's for us to empty of ourselves and move in that place of weakness. So that his greatness can be manifested through us. And that's awesome. That's awesome. These are all characteristics of the kingdom of God. Now God says his plan for our lives. When we look at the fullness of scripture. There are three distinct things that we see. That come to light. And the first thing is when God is in control. When we are following Jesus. It is more than we think is possible. When God says, I know the plans I have for you, it's in a realm that is not outside our zones of what we think is possible. When God looks at you, he sees something different happening than you see. see, see. There's too many C's. When God, when God sees your life, he sees more happening than what you see happening. There we go. Got that right. Had to think through it. He sees more happening than you see happening. He, his picture is bigger. In fact, we have this in Ephesians chapter 3. 
verses 20 to 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. I want you to say immeasurably. So how much is that? It's probably more than we could measure. That's why he used the word immeasurably. It's more than we can measure. Immeasurably more than, than all we ask or imagine. According to his power that is in work with us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now him is who is able to do immeasurably more than we dare to dream or imagine. He's able to do more than all of this. You and I, we stand in this position of God saying, I can do more than you could dare to dream or imagine through the power of his spirit that's living in you. I could do more. Imagine something great. I can do more. Amen. You imagine something even bigger. I can do more than that. Amen. Imagine something impossible. I can do even more than that. Amen. Okay, well, where's the limit? There is no limit. Why? Because it's immeasurably more. Amen. You and I cap and put a false ceiling on our lives of what we think and what we imagine our lives can be. It's like you and I being eagles but living in a chicken coop. Amen. We've got everything. Go, Dean, you're going for it. Yeah. Preach it from the back. You and I can be living like eagles, sorry, we're living like chickens when God has given every capacity for us to soar like an eagle. But our mentality is held by the patterns of this world. We have a mindset, though, as I said at the beginning, we're born into this world thinking, this is what's possible. This is what I can do with my life. We come to Jesus and we filter that into our walk with him. And God says, you know what? Scrub all that out. Because you, I can do immeasurably more than you can dare to dream or imagine through your life. I've given you my spirit. I've put something in you that raised Christ from the dead. And I can do more. Whatever you think you can do, I can do more in your life. God calls us to raise the dead. No, not me. Yes, you. He calls us to lay hands on the sick for them to be recovered. Yes, you. Not just me. He calls us to, to move mountains. He calls us to walk on water. He calls us to take steps of faith that are impossible. You see, when our lives are submitted to his spirit and we say yes to him and we dream his dreams for our lives, nothing is impossible for us who believe. Nothing is impossible. You and I are the only ones holding back God doing the supernatural for our lives. Because we dare to dream or we dare not to dream. However you want to look at it. Can I tell you what? Can I dare say that most of us in this room, including me, are not living to our full potential? When God looks at the plans he has for me, Tyler, I believe his plans are bigger than I give him credit, bigger than what I'm living out. And this is my challenge, and I believe it's your challenge to us saying, okay, God, I want to take away the boundaries. I just want to be open to your spirit. And whatever it is, God, I just want to say yes to you. I want to dream your dreams. I want to, I want to be open. And I don't want me to cap what you could do through me if I just said yes. Again, I think we come with condemnation. We come with other feelings that we're not able. When he says, I am, I've made you able. 
I've made you able. And so when we look at God's plans that he has for us, his vantage point, when he looks at your life, it is more than we think is possible. It's guaranteed that because God can do immeasurably more. But it's also this. It's also completely dependent upon him. You see, when Jesus looks at your life and he says the plans he has for you, he knows that you cannot do it. Now, that's almost like a failure or a, a plan to failure, isn't it? If I said to Caleb or Annalise, I want, I got plans for you to do all of this stuff and I know you can't do it. Well, why even try? Right? And sometimes I think that's our perspective. Why even try? Why even go down this road? But yet we see in John 15, this amazing passage of scripture where Jesus talks about us being grafted into the vine, being part of his, his body, being part of who he is. And he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do what? Absolutely nothing. Nothing according to what? His plan. Yes, sure, we can do stuff according to our plans, but we can do nothing according to his plan. What does that mean? It means if I'm going to do the plans that he has for me, I cannot do it without him. Why? It's impossible for me and I'll never bear the fruit he wants me to have because apart from him, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm completely dependent upon him. His plan for me is for me to be dependent upon him to fulfill the plan. You see, when we start living our Christian life, we're, we're not dependent upon God. Can I just put a warning light there that maybe we're not in the center of his plan? If there's... Every area of your life, you're not needed. Really, actually, I'm not dependent upon God for anything. Well, maybe this is a wake-up call. Maybe God is wanting to break some boundaries in your thought process. Maybe God is wanting to call you to be a little bit more proactive in your faith and move out of your comfort zone into a realm where you are 100% dependent upon Him. I mean, it has nothing to do with finance. It has nothing to do with our health. It has nothing to do with kind of family situations. It has everything to do with us following the work of the Spirit in us, following Him, and following Him will mean it leads us into a position where without Him, we can do nothing. I hope our lives are not so comfortable that actually, if Jesus was not a part of it, it would make no difference. God is calling us to be in a position where we are so dependent upon him for the fruit. It isn't by our works. It isn't by us as being good enough. But we're dependent in our lives. That if anything good is going to happen out of this circumstance, out of this position that I follow Jesus into, and now it's all, woo, it's beyond me. Well, then it's going to be God. And he'll receive the glory. We, it's more than we think possible. It's completely dependent upon him, but also it impacts eternity. The plans that God has for your life will impact eternity. The plans you have for your life will not impact eternity. They might impact your bank account. They might impact your immediate family. They might impact your vacation plans. They might impact you know, where you live, but they will not impact eternity. Every plan that God has for your life impacts eternity. Amen. It impacts the future like, not, like nothing else does. Just think about what if your life, if you said yes to Jesus, if you followed him and you depended upon him and his power worked through your life, how it affected 
generations to come. Amen. You and I are here because some disciples said yes to following Jesus. Yes. Right? We're here because they said yes to him. They gave up their fishing nets and they became fishers of men. They, they put it all on the line. And you and I are the product as it ripples through eternity what a few people said yes to. You and I have the, have the possibility of impacting the future of other people's lives. You see, we, as we see in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 20, it says, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Guys, what is Jesus talking about here? He says, you know, store up for yourself treasures in heaven. It's eternal. It's eternal. Internal impact. The, the Lord has plans for your life, but they are to store. The, the part of the plan is for, for your life to store up treasures in heaven. He sees you as someone who stores up treasures, not on this earth, but in heaven. It's the fruit that lasts. It's, it's the eternal things that you and I can't do in our own strength. We're about to head into the autumn season and the church life. And, you know, it's, it's, I, I don't want this autumn just to be the same old, same, oh, here we go. We start all the programs up. Man, I want us to dream some big dreams as a church. To, to, God, I, I want you to do immeasurably more than we could to dare to dream or imagine. What could this place look like, God, if we really take hold of your, your vision? But it isn't just a thought for the church. Each one of us has a part to play in that. God wants to do more in your life. He wants to uncap the wells. He, he wants to, to do things that you could only imagine it happening. He wants to do more. I think there's four things, though, that that pull away from all of this. It's four, I think, key things. And one is complacency. And again, I've, I've already alluded to, we become comfortable with where we're at, where, where we're at. We stop running the race. You know, it would be no different than the athletes that you watch the Olympics, and especially though the marathon runners. You can just imagine Mo, Mo Farrow, you know, running the 5,000 meter, but around 2,000 meters, he just stops pulls out a chair, has a cup of tea, says, you know what? I ran really well up to this point. Do I really need to keep pushing to the finish line? You know what? I'm okay here. We would all look at that with disappointment. That's not an athlete. An athlete finishes what they start. Do you know what? God has put you on a race. He's put a plan in front of you. He's got it. All. But you know what? If we become complacent and say, you know what? We're happy with where we're at. Our friends are all Christian and and actually, my family's Christian. I like our church families. It is. And it's not messy. It's nice. It's all good. I'm pro the problem is complacency. We start to drift and we become cold in our hearts. We just become ineffective. It's difficult to think that we can become comfortable with a little. When God said, I want to do so much more. But we got to keep we got to press forward. I mean, that's what Paul said. I press forward to win the prize. I, I keep leaning forward. And in our lives, we, we best not lean back, but we lean forward. I know these are kind of uncomfortable messages, but 
God is calling us to lean forward into Him, lean forward into His plans for our lives. He, he wants us to push forward. So complacency, tiredness is another one. Do you know what? We're tired when we're too busy doing the things He's not asked us to do. You and I can only be tired and spiritually tired when we're doing things He's not asked us to do. Why? Because He says, if you're yoked with me, what is it? Your yoke is easy and your burden is light. I will give you rest. So if I'm yoked with Jesus, I'm doing what he's asked me to do, then actually I shouldn't be tired. But if I'm tired from busyness, I'm doing the things he's not asked me to do. And that's an evaluation for all of us. Are we busy doing the work of the Father? Are we doing the busyness of the work of what we do in tradition? Because I've always signed up for this program, so I'm going to continue to do it, even though Jesus never asked me to do it. Instead of doing the very thing he has asked me to do. Are we tired? Why are you tired? Why are you spiritually tired? Those are warning signs. You're not necessarily on the path he's called you to. Yes, there's seasons of, of rest and break, but I hope we, after summer, we're ready for it again. Fear is a, is a fourth one. Stepping out into the unknown. Again, we can say, hey, we love this idea of dreaming impossible dreams and all of this stuff, but it requires us to step out and fear can hold us back. Distractions is the last one. We just get distracted with other things and we forget that actually God has a plan for us. We're distracted by everything else. And all the while, time is ticking on. We're doing our own thing and our master is going to return. And how are we going to be found busy doing the thing he's called us to do when he does? I want to just end by asking this question. How is your vision of your life today? Again, we're, we're, we're entering an autumn season and I want us to have a viewpoint of heaven when we look at our lives. When we say, yeah, I'm on vision. I, I, I got this plan for this and this and this. Okay, is it God's plan he has for you? Or is it your plan you have for you? That's a question that we need to be honest with ourselves. Is the things I'm really pursuing the things that God has put in my heart? Or is it just something I want to do? At the beginning of this next season, it's a time to correct our vision. This morning, maybe it's like going to the optician and, and getting our eyes checked. What are we, where are we focusing on? Do we have 20-20 vision or are we kind of just short-sighted? Forgetting that there's eternity that we're working towards. Maybe we need a fresh revelation of Jesus this morning. Revelation 2.4 talks about forsaking our first love and Boy, it starts there again. Maybe this morning we need a fresh revelation of his heart and his plans for us. I believe that all of us need to have a view from above when we look at our lives. To be seated with him, to set our minds on things above and not upon things of this world. Each one of us are in different circumstances, but I believe this morning God is calling us to lift our eyes up to him, to dream some dreams. You know, it's part of the outpouring of the Spirit. The young men would see visions, the old men would dream dreams. Amen. Part of the working of the Spirit is that we would have vision and dreams, Amen. that we would dream more, Amen. immeasurably more. Because I, can you stand with me, please? 
Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church, passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.